Uh, this is Gary Meese with the case against uh, in my third or fourth or fifth attempt to get a podcast done on the uh, petitions over DNA testing in the West Memphis 3 case. Uh, I'm probably going to keep this one short um, with the idea that at this point uh, there's so much that relies upon the judgment of the courts that for me to pontificate on what something means or how something's going to be ruled on is really rather pointless. I don't know what the courts will do. I can tell you what I think the court should do, but that's a wholly different matter. Um, briefly, what's happened at and I, I, I could go into specifics. I did in some previous videos, but I'm not going to bother going into specifics on dates and blah, 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 uh, because you can look it up yourself. But it's it's in the uh, court con Arkansas Court Connect system uh, if you want to get specifics. But basically what's happened is as a result of this brouhaha that was created by Bob Ruff two years ago over... Uh, uh, the possibility that DNA could be re, re uh, extracted and or could be extracted actually for the first time and retested in the West Memphis Three case using uh, this new so-called new technology called Invec te technology. Uh, this was brought up with. And during his oxygen special is with the idea that this would be the magical solution that would solve the case and all this other hyperbole. Uh, and this, so the controversy went on for quite some time uh, with uh, in various forms with uh, Bob's fandom, such as it is, harassing uh the then prosecutor Scott Ellington, uh, Scott Ellington going through various phases of, of seeming to go along to a certain extent with the request without doing anything specific, but also just plain shutting them out whenever it got to be too much or whenever the mood took him. Who knows what was going on in his head? Uh, he really obviously didn't want to be bothered with this case anymore in 2020 or 21 than he was in 2011 when he was just extremely happy just to get rid of it, get it off his dockets and not have to worry. So he thought he was never going to have to worry about it anymore. Little did he know, but he's a foolish man in some respects. Anyway, uh, and then uh, this has gone on for quite some time. Uh, new, uh, but we had a new prosecutor came in, Keith Cressman, last year, uh, or this year actually, or what? Well, actually, it was last year, and uh, got my years mixed up. But anyway, uh, he he didn't necessarily go along with uh, what Ellington had promised. And there was nothing in, as far as I know, there's nothing in writing as a formal agreement. Uh, there's no court order, despite what, whatever uh, Marl Everett and uh, various members of the Arkansas press may have reported there was no court order ordering them to come up with DNA evidence uh, in the West Memphis Three case. There was nothing to present records or whatever. Nothing ever really happened with that. You know, it's not clear. It's not clear that Damien Eccles, who is the, for all practical purposes, the sole petitioner in this matter, uh, has any right to file anything with the courts concerning anything to do with this case. He Apparently, on the you know, if you just read on the face of it, what he agreed to in 2011 when he took a plea deal in which he pleaded guilty to killing Michael Moore, Stevie Branch, and Christopher Byers, he he signed away his rights to, to 
pursue this case in any manner whatsoever in the courts. Now, obviously, he's violated that agreement, but what is the penalty at this point? I mean, he's served out his probation period, and I don't think it's any accident that uh, when they were talking about Last spring, when they became aware, it was erroneously reported that there was missing evidence in the case from Keith Cressman's office, which was really irresponsible for him to tell the defense attorneys that without some better information. And uh, and then the irresponsibility was amped up even further by some extremely irresponsible statements by the West Memphis mayor, Marco McLendon, who really often has no idea what he's talking about. But anyway, uh, the, you know, this all got ramped up into a big deal where there was supposedly missing evidence. And, uh, and I, I would argue that missing evidence... Okay, if there was evidence that was missing uh, when they took the plea deal in 2011, and they weren't properly informed of that, that that might be well might well be some sort of civil violation that might open the door to uh, a legal petition, petitioning that otherwise might be closed. However, that's not the case. About the most we can say about this is that uh, apparently some of the evidence may have been misfiled and considering that the sources are even on statements about misfiling were incorrect about it being lost or whatever. I mean, <laughs> there's no credibility here that we need. We don't really have a whole lot of facts about all that. Uh, but some of it may have been misfiled and um, somehow among the misfiled evidence, Apparently, there was the all-important shoelaces, as if this is the only evidence in the West Memphis Three cases, the ligatures, the shoelaces that were used to bind the boys, ankle to right ankle to right wrist, left ankle to right to left wrist, uh, when they were placed in the water of that muddy little ditch in West Memphis, Arkansas, back on May 5th, 1993. So, what's happened now is the uh, Bob Ruff was talking about let's test all the evidence. His supporters were all excited about that. Now, uh, when it's, it's 2022, uh, the West Memphis Three defense, having gotten the door thrown open, at least from their perception, to having evidence retested instead of seeking broad-ranging DNA testing, they want to test just the ligatures. Now, and then what happens? I know I'm, I'm going to get ahead a little bit, but among the various arguments that are made back and forth between the prosecutor and the defense is that the MVAC technology uh, consumes and uses up DNA evidence in such a way that it's basically a one-shot deal. If you don't, you know, it's very good at extracting evidence, uh, making available for testing, but after that's done, there's just not much left. And essentially, as as evidence, the DNA evidence, a DNA evidence is destroyed. Now the and the Prosecutor is making the argument that, now making an argument that the very same statute that was being uh, thrown up in his face all last year about evidence being preserved, it, indeed holds, uh, holds still in the preservation of evidence that this evidence must be preserved. Now, obviously, Obviously, and the defense points this out, is some evidence is going to be destroyed just by virtue of testing. So it happened in 1993, 94, with things like the blood pendant uh, 
evidence. Now, I, I don't know that the, you couldn't extract further DNA from it now, from that now, and it's not on the blood pendant, is not on the list of things. The West Memphis 3, most specifically, uh, Damien Eccles would like to have retested for probably really pretty obvious reasons because it might show that, in fact, he is indeed guilty. Uh, just like the semen stain on the Stevie, Stevie, uh, Stevie Branch's pants probably would show Damian Eccles is guilty. So let's not test that. No, let's test the shoelaces. And the shoelaces almost certain, almost were certainly held by someone other than just the three boys. Maybe they put the laces in themselves originally, but, you know, it's, it's kind of questionable. Uh, if the shoe, shoes were probably bought at uh, someplace like Walmart, so could have been handled by any, the, sh the shoes themselves could have been handled by any number of people while in, in the store. Uh, I don't really know how careful the process, the the police were in handling those particular shoes and shoelaces and uh, extracting the evidence from the ditch. And there's a lot of, in other words, there's a lot of room for contamination. But, you know, the all important thing is, is they found a hair, uh, and once, uh, turning out to be many years ago now, of uh, that may or may not have been linked to Terry Hobbs uh, the stepfather of uh, Stevie Branch, who you know, st who was in the in the same house on the same day, but not at the same time, is all three of the boys. His own home, presumably, some of his hairs are floating about that house and could have been picked up by a shoelace. So it's secondary transferences certainly possible and it's not a it's not really particularly great evidence uh, certainly not evidence not the kind of evidence you would be able to get an arrest off of or uh or certainly not an indictment and a conviction even if it could be proved it is his hair which it's not that's not even provable it could be one of Literally millions of people within the United States, but hundreds of people inside West Memphis. So, because uh, it's mononuclear uh, DNA, it shows uh, a common female ancestor, and it's just shared by, a, you know, it might be a rel it's a relatively small percentage of the population, but in total numbers, it's a whole lot of people. Now, I said I was going to keep it brief, and maybe I won't, but the thing is, <clears throat> uh, this is Gary Meese with the case against, uh, in my third or fourth or fifth attempt to get a podcast done on the uh, petitions over DNA testing in the West Memphis 3 case. Uh, I'm probably going to keep this one short um, with the idea that at this point uh, there's so much that relies upon the judgment of the courts that for me to pontificate on what something means or how something's going to be ruled on is really rather pointless. I don't know what the courts will do. I can tell you what I think the court should do, but that's a wholly different matter. Um, briefly, what's happened, uh, and I, I, I could go into specifics. I did in some previous videos, but I'm not going to bother going into specifics on dates and blah, blah, blah. Uh, because you can look it up yourself, but it's it's in the uh, court con Arkansas Court Connect system. Uh, if you want to get specifics, but basically what's happened is, as a result of this brouhaha that was created by Bob Ruff two years ago over uh, 
uh, the possibility that DNA could be re, re um, extracted and or could be extracted actually for the first time and retested in the West Memphis three case using uh, this new so-called new technology called invec te- technology. Uh, this was brought up with and during his oxygen special is with the idea that this would be the magical solution that would solve the case and all this other hyperbole. Uh, and so the controversy went on for quite some time uh, with, uh, in various forms with uh, Bob's fandom, such as it is, harassing uh, the then prosecutor Scott Ellington. Uh, Scott Ellington going through various phases of, of seeming to go along to a certain extent with the request without doing anything specific, but also just plain shutting them out whenever it got to be too much or whenever the mood took him. Who knows what was going on in his head? Uh, He really obviously didn't want to be bothered with this case anymore in 2020 or 21 than he was in 2011 when he was just extremely happy just to get rid of it get it off his dockets and not have to worry. So he thought he was never going to have to worry about it anymore. Little did he know, but he's a foolish man in some respects. Anyway, uh, and then uh, this has gone on for quite some time. Uh, new, uh, but we had a new prosecutor came in, Keith Cressman, last year. Or, or this year, actually. Or, well, actually, it was last year. And uh, got my ears mixed up. But anyway, uh, he he didn't necessarily go along with uh, what Ellington had promised. And there was nothing in, as far as I know, there's nothing in writing as in formal agreement. Uh, there's no court order, despite what whatever... Uh, Moral Everett and uh, various members of the Arkansas press may have reported there was no court order ordering them to come up with DNA evidence uh, in the West Memphis Three case. There was nothing to present records or whatever. Nothing ever really happened with that. You know, it's not clear. It's not clear that Damien Eccles, who is the, for all practical purposes, the sole pro- petitioner in this matter uh, has any right to file anything with the courts concerning anything to do with this case. He apparently on the, you know, if you just read on the face of it, what he agreed to in 2011, when he took a plea deal in which he pleaded guilty to killing Michael Moore, Stevie Branch and Christopher Byers, he, he signed away his rights to, to, pursue this case in any manner whatsoever in the courts. Now, obviously, he's violated that agreement, but what is the penalty at this point? He's served out his probation period, and I don't think it's any accident that uh, when they were talking about Last spring, when they became aware, it was erroneously reported that there was missing evidence in the case uh, from Keith Cressman's office, uh, which was really irresponsible for him to tell the defense attorneys that without some better information. And uh, and then the irresponsibility was amped up even further by some extremely irresponsible statements by the West Memphis mayor, Marco McLendon, who really often has no idea what he's talking about. But anyway, uh, the, you know, this all got ramped up into a big deal where there was supposedly missing evidence. And, uh, and I, I would argue that missing evidence... Okay, if there was evidence that was missing, 
when they took the plea deal in 2011, and they weren't properly informed of that, that that might be well, might well be some sort of civil violation that might open the door to uh, a legal petition, petitioning that otherwise might be closed. However, that's not the case. About the most we can say about this is that uh, apparently some of the evidence may have been misfiled. And considering that the sources, are even on statements about misfiling, were incorrect about it being lost or whatever, I mean, <laughs> there's no credibility here. that we, need, we don't really have a whole lot of facts about all that. Uh, but some of it may have been misfiled. And um, somehow, among the misfiled evidence, apparently there was the all-important shoelaces, as, as if this is the only evidence in the West Memphis Three cases, the ligatures, the shoelaces that were used to bind the boys, ankle to ri- right ankle to right wrist, left ankle to right to left wrist, uh, when they were placed in the water of that muddy little ditch in... West Memphis, Arkansas, back on May 5th, 1993. So, what's happened now is the uh, Bob Ruff was talking about let's test all the evidence. His supporters were all excited about that. Now, uh, when it's, it's 2022, uh, the West Memphis Three defense, having gotten the door thrown open, at least from their perception, to having evidence retested, instead of seeking broad-ranging DNA testing, they want to test just the ligatures. Now, and then what happens? I know I'm going to get ahead a little bit, but among the various arguments that are made back and forth between the prosecutor and the defense is that the MVAC technology uh, consumes and uses up DNA evidence in such a way that it's basically a one-shot deal. You don't, you know, it's very good at extracting evidence, uh, making available for testing, but after that's done, there's just not much left. And essentially, as as evidence, the DNA evidence, a DNA evidence is destroyed. Now the and the prosecutor is making the argument that now making an argument that the very same statute that was being uh, thrown up in his face all last year about evidence being preserved it, indeed holds holds still in the preservation of evidence that. This evidence must be preserved. Now, obviously, obviously, and the defense points this out, is some evidence is going to be destroyed just by virtue of testing. So it happened in 1993, 94, with things like the blood pendant uh, Evidence now. I, I don't know that the, you couldn't extract further DNA from it now, from that now, and it's not on the blood pendant is not on the list of things. The West Memphis Three, most specifically, uh, Damian Eccles would like to have retested for probably really pretty obvious reasons because it might show that in fact he is indeed guilty. Uh, just like the semen stain on the Stevie Stevie. Uh, Stevie Branch's pants probably would show Damian Eccles is guilty. So let's not test that. No, let's test the shoelaces. And the shoelaces almost certain almost were certainly held by someone other than just the three boys. Maybe they put the laces in themselves originally, but, you know, it's, it's kind of questionable. Uh, if the shoe, shoes were probably bought at uh, some place like Walmart, so could have been handled by any, the, sh- the shoes themselves could have been handled by any number of people while in, in the store. 
I don't really know how careful the process, the, the police were in handling those particular shoes and shoelaces and uh, extracting the evidence from the ditch. And there's a lot of, in other words, there's a lot of room for contamination. But, you know, the all important thing is, is they found a hair uh, and once, uh, turning out to be many years ago now of uh, that may or may not have been linked to Terry Hobbs, uh, the stepfather of uh, Stevie Branch, who, you know, st who was in the, in the same house on the same day, but not at the same time, is all three of the boys, his own home. Presumably some of his hairs are floating about that house and could have been picked up by a shoelace. So it's secondary transference is certainly possible and it's not a, it's not really particularly great evidence. Uh, certainly not evidence, not the kind of evidence you would be able to get an arrest off of or, uh, or certainly not an indictment and a conviction. Even if it could be proved, it is his hair, which it's not, that's not even provable. It could be one of literally millions of people within the United States, but hundreds of people inside of West Memphis. So, because uh, it's mononuclear uh, mono DNA, it shows uh, a common female ancestor and it's just shared by, a, you know, it might be a rel it's a relatively small percentage of the population, but in total numbers, it's a whole lot of people. Now, I said I was going to keep it brief, and maybe I won't, but the thing is, <clears throat> yeah. The defense now is talking about how, in response to the criticism that all the uh, DNA evidence would be effectively removed from the possibility of future testing by the Invec technology, well, well, you know, we're not, we don't have to test all the shoelaces. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? Test the shoelace that, uh, where Terry Hobbs' DNA uh, supposed DNA hair was found and determined that, oh yeah, Mr. Hobbs indeed handled this shoelace, which he very well may have. Who knows? Now, if his, hot, his DNA shows up on all the shoelaces, if anybody's DNA shows up on all the shoelaces, other than, uh, say, an investigating officer, uh, would raise serious questions about why that was the case and would would be totally justify uh, uh, looking into as much as could be done looking into the possibility of may, maybe maybe they you know maybe you were somehow involved in this crime because how would you otherwise justify your DNA being shown up on and on all those shoelaces other than the possibility of contamination which is like <laughs> constant possibility based on how evidence is handled. If I handle one shoelace and then handle another, guess what? I've created the possibility without uh, washing my hands or changing gloves or whatever. I've created the possibility of transferring DNA from one shoelace to another. And I'm not setting that up as some sort of excuse for, uh, you know, if DNA shows up, look, if anybody's DNA shows up on all six shoelaces, I'm, I'll have to seriously rethink about, about what the whole case is about. But let's, why stop there? Why not test the blood pendant if there's any DNA still to be extracted there? Why not test the, the, uh, the semen stain on the jeans? Why not do more extensive, why not test the blood that was found on Jesse Miskelly's uh, t-shirt? Why not test a whole lot of things that are of questionable status in that case and find out what the real answers are?
And I will tell you that I think one reason that the defense, in fact, I know, I know reason the defense doesn't want to do this is because they know what the result would be. That the, the DNA results would show that indeed the West Memphis Three did exactly what Jesse Miskelly said they did. Kill Michael, Stevie, and Christopher. Now, I don't know if the, if, if the court's even going to listen to this petition. Uh, there, there was an argument made by the prosecution that it was filed in the wrong court, that was filed in Crittenden, that should have been filed in Craighead, where they were convicted initially. Defense came back and said, oh, no, it's, we properly filed in Crittenden because that's uh, uh, the original conviction was set aside and they, they, they pleaded guilty in Crittenden or Craighead and they, they set aside the conviction in Craighead to take the plea, guilty plea in Crittenden. You know, that's a legal issue that uh, is really not that important. Uh, I, it looked like gross incompetence on defense attorneys Patrick Binka's part at first for filing, seemingly to file in the wrong uh, court, and maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, I can see the arguments back and forth on both of those things, and I don't know how the court will look at it. Maybe the court just won't consider it to be that important. Uh, the, you know, It would be a fatal issue if indeed there wasn't the particular history of this particular case, but it was handled in, it was at different times in two different jurisdictions because of the change of venue. So I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know how the court's going to rule on whether MVAC is number one, uh, an accepted, uh, Forensics tool, generally accepted forensics tool. Uh, the defense seems to ma- is tries to make that argument, but I would argue that I would argue that their presentation on this, and you know, their presentation on facts in general, and both both the uh, original petition and the and the response to the prosecutor's been pretty weak on facts. Uh, they spent much of the original petition rehashing the. Uh, whole missing evidence uh, uh, controversy that really turned out to be a big nothing. And uh, they they have not come up with anything other than, oh, the FBI thinks MVAC is uh, an effect, much beyond the the fact that the FBI thinks that the MVAC is an effective forensics tool. Well, we know that uh, forensic scientists were told this in an official presented paper at one of their uh, big, their, I don't know how big their conferences are, but among the forensic world, it was a big conference. It's a knowledge conference back in 2012 that uh, they were looking at, and back then, as an effective forensics tool. So it's not new in that sense. How new was it in August 2011 when the West Memphis Three pleaded guilty? Uh, well, maybe it was. It was. A, it, it almost certainly was at least on the scene if pe- approving papers were filed in 2012. Not papers filed, but a, a, a research paper was filed and presented in 2012 touting MVAC technology, it wasn't unknown. Uh, it, didn't, it doesn't seem likely that it was unknown in 2011 if that research paper made it to the public, such as it is, in 2012. Uh, so, But it can be not new and also not generally accepted in that there doesn't, the prosecutor says, they can't seem to find a lot of cases involving MVAC. And I've looked as well. I don't see 
it being widely used, certainly not being used in some sort of crucial, crucial manner uh, uh, to solve, you know, these otherwise unsolvable cases. Uh, I just don't see, I haven't seen a lot of that sort of casework. It's happened a little bit, but a little bit doesn't mean a whole lot when you get to court. So is, is it, is it new? I don't know. I suspect it might not be new according to the court's lights, but maybe they'll see it, see it as new. Is it generally accepted? I find that highly doubtful, but again, I don't know how the court will look at things. The further question with the destruction of evidence is if indeed, because, you know, initially Bob Ruff chased down all three of the confessed, uh, not confess, well, actually all of them three did confess at one time or another, but the three uh, guilty, the three guilty killers, he chased them all down, uh, you know, yelling at Jesse through a, a shut, a closed door about whether he thought DNA and t testing would be okay with him. And Jesse basically says, okay, but you know, that's not exactly a resounding uh, approval. Yeah. The f defense now is talking about how in response to the criticism that all the uh, DNA evidence would be effectively removed from the possibility of future testing by the Invec technology. Well, well, you know, we're not, we don't have to test all the shoelaces. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? Test the shoelace that, uh, where Terry Hobbs' DNA, uh, supposed DNA hair was found and determined that, oh yeah, Mr. Hobbs indeed handled this shoelace, which he very well may have. Who knows? Now, if his, hot, his DNA shows up on all the shoelaces, if anybody's DNA shows up on all the shoelaces, other than, uh, say, an investigating officer, uh, it would raise serious questions about why that was the case and would, would be totally justify uh, uh, looking into as much as could be done looking into the possibility of maybe, maybe they, you know, maybe you were somehow involved in this crime because how would you otherwise justify your DNA being shown up on, and on all those shoelaces other than the possibility of contamination, which is a constant possibility based on how evidence is handled. If I handle one shoelace and then handle another, guess what? I've created the possibility without uh, washing my hands or changing gloves or whatever. I've created the possibility of transferring DNA from one shoelace to another. And I'm not setting that up as some sort of excuse for, uh, you know, if DNA shows up. Look, if anybody's DNA shows up on all six shoelaces, I'm, I'll have to seriously rethink about, about what the whole case is about. But let's why stop there? Why not test the blood pendant if there's any DNA still to be extracted there? Why not test the the uh, the semen stain on the jeans? Why not do more extensive? Why not test the blood that was found on Jesse Muskelly's uh, T-shirt? Why not test a whole lot of things that are of questionable status in that case and find out what the real answers are? And I will tell you that I th think one reason that the defense, in fact, I know, I know reason the defense doesn't want to do this is because they know what the result would be, that, that they're, they're, the DNA results would show that indeed West Memphis Three did exactly what Jesse Muskelly said they did: kill Michael, Stevie, and Christopher. Now, 
Now, I don't know if the, if, if the court's even going to listen to this petition. Uh, there, there was a argument made by the prosecution that it was filed in the wrong court, that was filed in Crittenden, that should have been filed in Craighead, where they were convicted initially. Defense came back and said, oh, no, it's we properly filed in Crittenden because that's uh, uh, the original conviction was set aside and they 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 pleaded guilty in Crittenden or Craighead and they they set aside the conviction in Craighead to take the plea guilty plea in Crittenden. You know, that's a legal issue that uh, is really not that important. Uh, I, it looked like gross incompetence on defense attorneys Patrick Binka's part at first for filing, seemingly to file in the wrong uh, court, and maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, I can see the arguments back and forth on both of those things, and I don't know how the court will look at it. Maybe the court just won't consider it to be that important. Uh, the, you know, it would be a fatal issue if indeed there wasn't the particular history of this particular case, but it was handled and it was at different times in two different jurisdictions because of change of venue. So I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know how the court's going to rule on whether MVAC is number one, uh, an accepted, uh, forensics tool, generally accepted forensics tool. Uh, the defense seems to make, is, tries to make that argument, but I would argue that I would argue that their presentation on this and you know their presentation on facts in general and both both the, the uh, original petition and the and the response to the prosecutor's been pretty weak on facts. Uh, they spent much of the original petition rehashing the uh, whole missing evidence uh, uh, controversy that really turned out to be a big nothing. And uh, they, haven't, they have not come up with anything other than, oh, the FBI thinks MVAC is an uh, effect, much beyond the, the, that, the fact that the FBI thinks that the MVAC is an effective forensics tool. Well, we know that the, uh, forensic scientists were told this and an official presented paper at one of their uh, big, their I don't know how big their conferences are, but among the forensic world, it was a big conference. It's a knowledge conference. Back in 2012, it, uh, they were looking at and back then as an effective forensics tool. So it's not new in that sense. How new was it in August 2011 when the West Memphis Three play, pleaded guilty? Uh, well, maybe it was. It was a, it, it almost certainly was at least on the scene if pa approving papers were filed in 2012. Not papers filed, but a, a, a research paper was filed and presented in 2012, touting MVAC technology. It wasn't unknown. Uh, it doesn't seem likely that it was unknown in 2011 if that research paper made it to the public, such as it is, in 2012. Uh, so, but it can be not new and also not generally accepted in that there doesn't, the prosecutor says they can't seem to find a lot of cases involving MVAC. And I've looked as well. I don't see it being widely used, certainly not being used in some sort of crucial, crucial manner uh, uh, to solve, you know, these otherwise unsolvable cases. Uh, I just don't see, I haven't seen a lot of that sort of case work. It's happened a little bit. But a little bit doesn't mean a whole lot when you get to court. So is, is, it, is it new? I don't know. 
I suspect it might not be new according to the court's lights, but maybe they'll see it, see it as new. Is it generally accepted? I find that highly doubtful, but again, I don't know how the court will look at things. The further question with the destruction of evidence is if indeed, because, you know, initially Bob Ruff chased down all three of the confessed, uh, not confess, well, actually all of them three did confess at one time or another, but the three uh, guilty, the three guilty killers, he chased them all down, uh, you know, yelling at Jesse through a, a shut, a closed door about whether he thought DNA and t testing would be okay with him. And Jesse basically says, okay, but you know, that's not exactly a resounding uh, approval. Now, and, uh, of course, Miss Kelly's had nothing to say about this or much of anything else since. And uh, Jason Baldwin has been very low-key about almost all this matter. As if he's just sort of hoping it'll all go away, which is a strange thing for somebody who is running a, a an organization that supposedly is trying to correct... Uh, inequities in the government, in the judicial system, and uh, bringing uh, actual innocence of various parties to light. Yet when it comes to his own, supposed own innocence, suddenly Jason Baldwin's just not really that excited about going in there and proving his case. Uh, of course, Jason Baldwin doesn't seem real excited about going in and proving anybody's case. He just wants, he just wants to to you to send him some money. And Damien Nichols may or may not be open in a magical school, but he'll be very happy to have you send him some money. And the defense almost certainly isn't really serious about pursuing this matter to the ends of the earth with this DNA retesting, but they would very much like you to send them some money. And also a great deal of sympathy for the way they've been mistreated by the supposed corrupt uh, judicial system in Arkansas. So nobody ever seems to point out exactly how, where the corruption lies or what, where the corruption crept into the process. Other than, you know, maybe the generalized statement that the whole, pro whole system is just corrupt, which is a, sort of a non-statement. I mean, it, it's so general and all-encompassing that it means essentially nothing. So, I am going to... I don't know what the court's going to do from this point on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll take a look at this entire matter and determine what the best course of action would be. I personally wouldn't mind seeing everything retested. In fact, I'd like it very much. I'd like to see what the actual results of DNA retesting would be. I don't really see an avenue by which that's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not highly concerned about what uh, the DNA results are going to be from if they do manage to get retesting of the ligatures and they selectively retest some of the ligatures, but not others. And you know, they may get they may get some results that probably, are, you know, that are they may not get anything much at all. And that's really very high possibility. But if they do get something, uh, you know, a, a parent's DNA shows up on there. My only concern is is how that'll be misinterpreted by. Uh, the fandom, the supporters of the West Memphis Three, the way the, the Hobbs hair has been mi misinterpreted and uh, misrepresented over the years. Because it's not really the Hobbs hair. It's a hair that may or may not be
from Terry Hobbs, and even if it is, it's just not that important. Uh, without some other, without some other evidence, and there is no other evidence. In fact, there's evidence, not the best best of evidence, because it's they're not neither one of them are highly consistent in their statements. But if you take the statements of Terry Hobbs and you take the statements of David Jacoby about their interactions that evening. And you have what amounts to an essential alibi for that time. And you further add in known, known uh, sightings of Terry Hobbs that evening from other parties, which are all on the record. And you, the, the, the possibility uh, of him being somehow involved grows even less. There's not, there wasn't a whole lot of time available at best to do this. And there is no other evidence. I mean, it's, the whole thing is a bit ridiculous. There is no other evidence. There is no real evidence against him, except the wishes and hopes and dreams of uh, people who would rather blame uh, a, somebody who is actually a victim of a crime. His stepson was killed. Uh, and his life was essentially virtually destroyed for a while, though he's managed to rebuild it pretty pretty well. I think Mr. Hobbs is doing pretty well, but, uh, you know, uh, you had that going on. Well, there's this wealth of evidence against the West Memphis Three that just blithely ignored. And I see it over and over and over again. Something you know, they if if the blood pendant, uh, if the blood sh- had a blood type match to Terry Hobbs, <coughs> we'd be taught they'd be talking about the blood pendant being proof that he. And you know, that's not the way things are. I hope this recording now works, and I actually talked a lot longer than I thought I would. I'm going to sign off, and I know I I know I missed some important points about all these filings, but I, I I'm not going to worry about it. Basically, I'm not sure it's going to go anywhere, and uh, I'm trying to get away from just you know spending all my time reading off public records. Spend all my time, you know repeating what you can read for yourself in the public records. Uh, I know a lot of people don't know how to access such things, but uh, they are there. And I've read enough of them to this point. I'm probably just about through with that. Uh, And uh, I'm going to reserve my contributions uh, to this podcast in the future to things that I want to talk about without necessarily delving into minute detail. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Hopefully this one will work. And uh, stay well. Bye-bye. You know, I was about to sign off, and I just realized several things I hadn't touched upon. There's a timeliness issue involved in all this. You know, I was about to sign off, and I just realized I several things I hadn't touched upon. There, there's a timeliness issue involved in all this. And the window of opportunity for the timeliness is three years. Uh, if they had reason to think that they had uh, new, new evidence to present for DNA, um, after not presenting their results from 2011, which again is not necessarily going to work in their favor when they get to courts, court might actually want to look at those results, in which case they would finally become public. But uh, they had three years to do that. Uh, they waited essentially a decade before they finally got around over a decade actually to make the formal request for uh, retesting of the DNA. Uh, They could have requested, you know, they were told they needed to file a petition with the court back uh, last April. Uh, 
and they waited the better part of a year just to do that, uh, apparently hoping they'd somehow bypass the usual um, pathways to you know court rulings and retesting. And I think they th- I think they thought that I don't really know what powers I don't know what powers the D and the prosecutor would have in terms of just simply ordering retesting on his own, but uh, I suppose I could look that up, but uh, even if he did, you know, if he did, then, you know, they could bypass the the necessity of getting a court order. Uh, The case is not an, it was not an actively being, case that was not being actively investigated and it was closed for all practical purposes. I mean, legally it's been closed. Uh, So there's the timeliness issue. There's the question of uh, of actual innocence. Actual innocence would have to be, uh, the the, uh, proving actual innocence would be the actual, have to be the actual aim of this petition and the retesting and the mere lack of DNA would not prove actual innocence. In other words, if they don't find any DNA from uh, any of the West Memphis Three, it doesn't prove that they didn't commit the crimes. All it does is show that there was no DNA evidence obtained from the ligatures. Um, And they might well get some very inconclusive or uh, mixed uh, samples that would be impossible to properly interpret to say yes, yes it was or yes it wasn't, just based on uh, what uh, we've heard from about the Invec technology. It's so it's effective enough that it creates its own problems in DNA testing. Uh, now, if they tested. If they tested the shoelaces and the DNA of a a known serial killer popped up on every shoelace they tested, then we would have, that would be a true game changer. But, you know, frankly, if the DNA, and I've I've said if the DNA from a parent pops up on all six shoelaces, it's going to be very problematic, no matter who the parent was. Melissa Byers, if it does from Melissa Byers, <laughs> who's long dead and um, didn't have anything, she didn't kill her son or have anything to do with it. But the uh, the, the the point being is it's, it will raise really significant questions. But uh, DNA being on from a parent on one or two shoelaces is just not going to be. Uh, something that's going to be even close to proving actual innocence, and it's certainly not going to be enough to prove any kind of guilt. Uh, you know, the, you got to have more than just that DNA from a uh, on, DNA on a shoelace from a parent of one of the boys is just not going to cut it, folks. Uh, now, if we, you know, if it, <laughs> You maybe maybe Mr. Bojangles will pop up, uh, and I'm real. That's really gotten to be pretty much a joke at this point. Up up at the level of the black T-shirts and Metallica, uh, the joke that keeps on being perpetuated by the supporter camp because they don't see it for the joke that it is. Uh, and I probably didn't haven't touched on some other things, but you see, I'm part of what I'm trying to point out is. There are significant legal problems and barriers to the retesting, to even filing the petition, to the retesting. And then when you, and then if they did retest and the results come back, there's still going to be significant problems with that. I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen. And in in as far as I'm saying, it probably shouldn't happen because it's not going to be done in a legal according to the proper legal channels. But let's set aside those things. 
as I've already said, I'd love to see the DNA results from all this, but let's test everything. That's not going to happen. So if you're not going to test everything and all you're going to do is selectively test a few shoelaces, hoping you'll come up with something you can uh, brand some other alternative suspect or one of your or an already deceased alternative suspect, uh, you know, rebrand somebody that's been unbranded since he, since he or they or she is no longer here to defend themselves. That's a distinct possibility. You know, you don't know what, you don't really know what links these people will go to to try to defend these, this child murdering scum that continue to inhabit the earth. Not in favor, I'm not in favor of the death penalty as a general rule, but, you know, would the world be better off without Damien Eccles in it? You bet it would be. Anyway, uh, and Jason Baldwin, for that matter, and Jesse Miskelly as well. Uh, Jesse Miskelly was something of a dupe. He's also a, a guy that uh, stupidly, drunkenly beat a small boy to the point that he was almost certainly going to die before he was drowned. Based on the wounds, the wounds he got from the beating, he probably would have died or been severely crippled for life. Uh, as it is, he was drowned. And what Je- Jesse's role in that is a little bit unclear, but uh, based on things he said in all his confessions, he seems to have gone along with that as well. So no mercy for him either. Anyway, I think this is my last farewell on this. And uh, maybe, but I, I don't mean that in terms of a podcast, but just this particular episode. And uh, I'll talk to you again soon, hopefully.